hold up. So both of us are going to be unemployed in well, the next few months. I'm hoping both of us will be self-employed rather than unemployed. Wow, fun employed. Fun employed. Fun employed. Yeah. 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 Hello, I'm Fiona. And I'm Tristan. And welcome to the Versed Kaiser Scenario. The podcast where we find out just what happens when you quit your day job with no other job to go to. Which is exactly what I've just done. Oh no. Uh oh. Hello and welcome to the Versed Kaiser Scenario. Episode 8. Episode 8 with me Fiona. And me, Tristan. <laughs> Welcome. Eight's a great number. I think it shows that we've been consistent. Yeah. It's eight not, weeks running. It's eight weeks running. Uh, we have not yet skipped a beat. Let's see how we do around Christmas time. Yeah. We are getting a bit slower, though. At first, we had uh, like a backlog of. Oh, yeah. Episodes. No, we're, 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 it's down to the wire. Yeah. <laughs> it's Friday. We want to send Launch it out Monday. on Monday. We have people visiting at the weekend. If I don't get this edited by Monday. I break our winning streak. <laughs> it's all on you. It is all on me. <laughs> it is all on me. Cool. So what else do we want to talk about today? Well, Fiona, you've got some pretty massive news, I hear. I do, yeah. What's happening? Well. <laughs> is this the drum roll? <laughs> yeah. I quit my job. What? <laughs> You quit your job. Yeah, and I haven't got a job to go to. Wait, 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 wait. I've gone and done what you did. You've quit your job. Where you got? You got a new job, surely. You've, you've, no. you've got one in the pipeline. I have, I have ideas, but I haven't. Um, I actually haven't got a job to go to. Hold the phone. You quit your job with no other job to go to. That sounds pretty familiar <laughs> well i i feel like i set this trend a while ago i am the trendsetter here no i, I am the captain i did it in 2020 did you <laughs> well i quit my job in 2019 actually so this is fiona goes bonkers part two yes exactly yes it's my second attempt um yeah i'm really excited so my plan is um i will go back to freelancing designing websites again okay. which is what I did before when I was uh, self-employed right and I'm gonna do that again and I might look to productize or I might look to um, maybe do it slightly differently but essentially yeah I'm gonna go start off anyway gonna go back to designing websites um, fantastic yeah so Obviously, your partner has a full-time job, a full-time income, <laughs> uh, is can totally take care of you while you get your business mm -hmm. up and running off the ground. You guys should be fine, right? What does your partner <laughs> do for a job? Yeah, so, yeah, you, it's you. you That's me, job. and I don't have a job either. No. Hold up. So both of us are going to be unemployed in well, the next few months. I'm hoping both of us will be self-employed rather than unemployed. Wow, fun employed. Fun employed. Fun employed. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because um, last time I did this, you were in this amazing job getting really well paid and I always knew that worst came to the worst, you know, we could live off your income. However, um, neither of us now have any guaranteed income. So no one's bringing home the bacon right now. We're winging it. Winging it. Yeah. Ooh, let's get wings later. How do you feel about <laughs> me leaving my job? I am fucking stoked. You're not worried? I am so happy. 
this I, I didn't want to pressure you to quit your job mm -hmm. I I was very and not like either way about it I kind of secretly privately wanted you to to break free but I didn't want to put any pressure on you I'm like oh, quit your yeah. job quit your job it's gotta be it had to be my decision it had to feel like the right time for me and yeah it was great I had no pressure either way from yeah. you but now that you're essentially going to be free from full-time work mm -hmm. full-time employment and working for the man let's say you're now in a position where you can well we're both in a position where we can design our own lives together yeah so there's no point in one of us being free and the other one being tied down to a nine-to-five I can't just say hey Fiona we're going to go live on a beach in Fiji you're coming you're like no I've got meetings <laughs> yeah <laughs> I need to be in London for this meeting <laughs> yeah but I guess once you finish your notice period and you're free yeah we can do that yeah so I've got a three-month notice period so my plan is to reach out to old clients and some of my old contacts and start to build up um, my work again so I'm hoping that I'm not really unemployed for for too long that I can hit the ground running once I do leave my current job but then yeah I'm super excited about what we're going to do how we're going to design our life and you know are we going to go and spend a week or two in other countries yeah. and work remotely a week or two you or know, two. <laughs> escape winter and uh, yeah have some fun Yes, this is really cool. So, also, we don't have to work nine till five anymore. Like we can, we, we can, can work just, nine till six. <laughs> yeah, we well, we can we can figure out our own hours. And we were talking earlier about you know maybe we'll take every Friday afternoon off. Or, yeah, or maybe we'll take every Friday off. Nobody in the world gets a thing done on Friday afternoon no. anyway. And anyone who says they do is lying through their teeth. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, well, let's take Friday afternoons off. Let's go have a um, nice lunch. Yeah. And then just. Enjoy play some sports or be active we could yeah do whatever so in the meantime now bet between the fact that you've left you've you've decided to resign and made that clear and your last day which is your notice period you're going to essentially use that time to kick start the business that you had going before this current role when you were a freelancer in the past are you essentially going to be picking up where you left off I think so. I, I think my plan is to, yeah, kick off where I left off. Kick off where you left off. <laughs> is that the right phrase? No, it's pick up where you left That's off. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I'm going to pick up where I left off. I think I'll do my pricing slightly differently. Yeah. Um, so previously I was charging, I do project based work so I charge 50% upfront 50% on completion mm -hmm. um, however that completion line is always a little bit blurred so um, product is never finished yeah exactly like how do you define that the product the project's complete um, and sometimes things would just be in review for ages and it would like eventually they approved it but it just took them so long to review things so uh, yeah and you're, the whole time while they're, you're waiting for them to approve and and say that the project is complete you're waiting payment yeah exactly final payment exactly and and you know if I'm juggling multiple clients it's hard to pick up another client when you've still got some that are just rumbling in the background because you don't know if they're going to pick up again or not they so, could drag you in yeah so my new plan is to do uh, subscription pricing 
So I've seen this um, from a few people who do design and um, they'll basically say you have unlimited provisions, you pay a fixed price per month, you pay up front for that month and you can switch it on and off, you can pause it at any time. So it seems to work really well for them. That's awesome. So I'm going to explore it. I don't know if it will work for me, but it's something I'm keen to try. It helps you know what's coming every month. Yeah. Because you've got at least some degree of certainty as per the subscriptions, the volume yeah. of prescriptions that come in. Yeah. But cool. also, previously, back when I started freelancing, I charged per hour or Oof. per day. And the clients um, who, you know, maybe they'd never done a project like this before, they were saying, well, how much is this going to cost me? Like, I don't know if I sign up with you, you, you could charge me in a month's time for days and days of work and it might come as a real shock to me this invoice so how do I know how much this is how long it's going to take you how much is going to cost so I think if I'm just really clear with my pricing up front you always like for the client they always know they they get a month's worth out of me for a fixed price yeah and there's no surprises so you never thought how many hours are in a month I'll just charge them for that (laughs) and say that I was working the entire time no, because they're, they're bootstrapped founders and they're, you know, it's, it's different than working for big companies. You can't rip off my clients, a bootstrapped founder. No, my clients had very, very limited resources, whereas like large companies can absorb those kinds of costs. I think I think you do need different pricing depending on who your client is. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, I'm, I'm not at all, I'm joking. I'm not at all <laughs> recommending we rip off bootstrap founders, but rip off. Companies, by all means. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well-established ones, at least. <laughs> oh, ones with bigger budgets. <laughs> Fantastic. So this is going to be brilliant. I actually would like to dive in a little bit on what subscription-based pricing mm-hmm. means. Does that mean that you're going to be on call, theoretically, for however long the subscription lasts? What What is the service they're going to continue getting? Subscription lasts? tickled me (laughs) so what it means is um so what i would do is say um you have a trello board you put all of the design tasks in the to-do column i'll pick up one at a time i'll work on one put it in review and then they have to review it and then it gets moved to done or goes back to in progress and i won't pick up the next task until that one task is complete so you're only ever working on one task at a time and um i would give them you know once i've completed a task i would do a loom video like a screen recording to walk them through my design get their feedback so it's not that they can pick up the phone to me i wouldn't really make yourself available like that yeah exactly exactly i would try to do it all asynchronously so that um it doesn't really matter what hours I work or what hours they work. They could be in a whole different country. They could be in Australia on a different time zone. That's okay because we'll work asynchronously. So basically the, the project, if you're charging the subscription monthly, let's say, it's on them to act quickly to get yes. to get to get their tickets, their cards into the done pile. Exactly. So that they can cancel their subscription. Because this is one of my biggest pain points is the length of time it takes people to review my work. This is awesome. So it encourages them to speed up the review process. It's on them. Because yeah. I know I can turn around designs quickly. I'm not going to sit on a request for, for weeks or anything like that. I know I work fast. 
and that and, and so I want them to work quickly too. But also theoretically, you could, if you were a little more unethical than you are, hold on to a ticket until the end of the month and then give it to them with a day's notice before the repayment period kicks in. I'm assuming you're not going to do that. Yeah, I mean, I would never do that, but I do. I do wonder with this subscription model, are people going to worry that I would do that? I would do that. I've got no ethics. (laughs) (laughs) And I wonder, you know, if that question comes up with some of these other agencies that work on this model. Um, I don't know. I suppose the start date and end date of your month with them might not necessarily be the calendar. It would just be a 30-day rolling period from the inception of the project. Exactly. As long as you were uh, showing progress within a reasonable amount of time yeah Um, and i think if we were to go on holiday for two weeks or something like that i would put all the subscriptions on pause so they would all get an an additional two weeks or we work really hard right before we go on holiday make sure all the tickets are in (laughs) their their columns yeah yeah Yeah. we'll push you all right i think oh yeah i think there's still some kinks to work out in this whole model yeah you know, I don't oh, think oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I still need to think about it. This is a very, uh, you know, early stage idea. And maybe I won't go with that model. But at the moment, I'm thinking it's an interesting one to explore. Uh, I'd love to hear back, actually, from any listeners who have experimented with different kinds of freelancing payment models. Yeah. Because it is something that I don't think I've ever seen a brilliant solution necessarily for no. it. Although I do love this subscription model. I think it's very cool. Uh, I'm all for it. Uh, obviously the day rate stuff, hourly rate, day rate stuff is hugely That's problematic. That's the worst. I've tried that. And uh, for me personally, I found that yeah. horrible. I hated the, the day rate and the hourly rate. The other model, of course, is the project basis. But the issue that you have with that one is that it's open-ended because the founder or the person reviewing the work could take theoretically if infinity to come yeah. back to you and say the project's over which uh, which then uh stimulates the last payment i mean one way to correct for that is to put it in your contract that they have to review all your like review a design within two days or within yeah or what though another another charge gets applied well it gets it's assumed that it's okay completed and yeah. they owe you that money you yeah. invoice them but yeah, it's tricky. It is a tricky one. Um, I don't think any of the scenarios are perfect, but um, it's about finding the right one for you. And I think I think you just got to experiment. Try one, see if it works. If it doesn't, try another one. Um, so yeah, I'm going to try subscription-based pricing. Awesome. And if that doesn't work out, I would probably go back to project-based pricing. Awesome. So key takeaway, experiment with kinks. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I heard. (laughs) Yeah, why not? So Tristan, are you in any communities, whether they're online or in person or, because obviously now that you're no longer in a company, have you joined any communities to seek out any people who are similar to you? So absolutely, yes. I've joined two communities. I'm in one community that's called Captain's Table, which is an extension of the writing course that I did, which was Ship 30 for 30. Oh, yeah. The community for Captain's Table is all about people who are interested in increasing their competency for digital writing mm-hmm. and want to explore further some of the uh, 
skill sets that's required and the knowledge and the thinking that's required to become proficient digital writers. Yeah. And the purpose of the community that are all doing that at the same time is to have shared experiences with others that are going through it, to have others who can support you, answer questions or even ask questions that perhaps you didn't think of or were afraid to ask and to create a degree of accountability mm. and acceptance as you move through. So where does this community take place? Like, is it is it Slack? Is it a Discord? Is it something else? This community is on Circle. Circle, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is probably pretty similar in a way to Notion. It's yeah, I think I think it's similar to Discord. It's similar to Notion. It's similar. It's similar to Slack in a way. Yeah. They have channels, don't they? And or topics, and you can go and talk about. That's topics. right. And we have weekly calls that many of us can join if we want to, where we will hear from the the community owners or runners, runners, mm-hmm. organizers, <laughs> and and then there are opportunities for breakout rooms and things like that for you to meet other members and to share. So quite a few of the members in the group have um, reached out to me or I've reached out to them to have online, online, everything's online. Why did I even say that? Like a one-on-one. One-on-ones, Zoom calls, chats. We're connecting to each other on Twitter, having DMs, yeah. all kinds of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what, um, give me some examples of good connections you've made. So I met this week, actually, one guy from the community who is a data leader in Boston. Mm-hmm. in the US and he within within the community there's smaller communities so he and I both belong to a data community okay and all the data people who are within that community can can know who each other are and reach out and have conversations so it's really cool to just meet with him learn what it is that he does why he's in the writing community what he's gotten from it yeah. how it's helped him in the data space how he's using that to network to grow his business to to find new opportunities, to ask questions, all kinds of things. Yeah. So he and I probably, I don't know if we've worked together or, or whatever, but I now know what he does. And if I ever need to talk yeah. to someone who does that, I know where to go. That's great. And, and vice versa for, for him to me. Yeah, yeah. So how valuable is this community to you? Well, I think that I'm yet to discover how valuable it can get. Yeah. I would say for someone who's me, who's starting their entrepreneurial, solopreneurial journey, never done this before, very much taking a huge leap and a big risk, it's very valuable to have a community because there are lots of people who are doing this same thing. Mm. Not all of them have left their nine to five and are going it alone, but quite a few have. Mm. And what's true of pretty much all of them is they all want to mm. leave their nine to five. And they're writing digitally because it creates uh, awareness with other people about them and their skill. It creates an audience for them. It creates a talent that's going to be essential in entrepreneurship. So I think that all of these people in the group are very keen to to one day leave their nine to five. And so I become very appealing to them because I'm someone who's taken the leap and done yeah. that. So uh, yeah. That's really cool. I love it. Hmm. I've also been invited to join another community uh, it starts in the new year. I don't know very much about that one yet, but it's it's for people who have already gone solo. Yeah. And helping each other to, with certain challenges that yeah. that brings. So just putting my business hat on for a minute. Yeah, go for it. So I did a course by Jack Butcher called Visualize Value or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he talked about 
how he got started um, running basically his business and running courses and stuff like that. And he he either joined a community or he started a community and he figured that a lot of people were talking about the same problems. So he created a very simple like PDF product for them, really some simple something they could just download. It was like a template or right. something to help them think through. Very simple template, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just sold it for like, I don't know, $10 or something like that. Um, and he, well, he, he put it in the group and he you know, told people about it and people really liked it. They downloaded it um, and he made quite a bit of money from it. And from that, he then built more courses. And, you know, he basically used this community to identify a problem and build a business around mm. it. So putting your business hat on, um, do you think in any of these communities, there's a problem that you can identify and build a business around or do you think it's just too early days yet or is that not really what you're wanting to get out of the community are you asking me if i'd like to build my own community eventually or if i can no just just using the existing community um do you think there's anything you could leverage well i think my experience so far having left the nine to five and trying to find ways to to generate income that don't rely on a full-time permanent role is something that's very interesting to others. And down the line, I think there's potential for me to be able to sell materials or courses or even coaching to others who want to do the same thing as me to help them make that transition. However, it would be very, very arrogant and naive of me to think I know how to do that today. Yeah. First of all, I need to actually successfully make that transition before I can turn around and tell others how to do it. But I'm learning every single day and every single day new challenges I'm facing, hopefully knocking them down and taking those experiences and those challenges and that knowledge which I've acquired and recording it. Making yeah. it available to me in a year's time, 6 months, let's see to turn around and say, that's how I felt back at that point in time. And and on that day, I had that problem because others are going to come across these challenges probably too. Yeah. So if I, if I were to wait and not record anything and then six months turn around and say, this is how I did it, I will probably miss out a ton of detail. Mm. But if every single day that I go through this, I begin to prepare, um, write down what, what experiences I had, write down what challenges I had, create a backlog and a content library of all the things that I went through, yeah. suddenly I've got this extremely valuable vault of experience that I can now share and potentially monetize to people within the community uh, or into my audience as well, alternatively. Yeah. So kind of going back to the question you asked me, would you create your own community? So currently you're in communities, but would you... I don't know, maybe in the data space or maybe in the solopreneurial space, would you consider creating your own community? I would. Let's, yeah, I would definitely do that. And I'd like to... Which area? I don't know yet, but I'd like to talk a little bit about the commerciality of communities as I see them. Okay. So I think communities, just speaking objectively from an outsider's perspective, make a ton of sense. First of all, as a... Let's say you decide tomorrow to create a community. You can use an existing program like Slack or... Yeah, there's a lot of tools Whatever tool. A lot of software. 
that you can use to build a community? A lot of it's either very cheap or potentially free, what you can use, all the no-code yeah. tools. You just need to then invite individuals into your community. The first group of people, probably 20, 15, I don't know how many, you want to invite them probably for free for at least a year or something and say, let's all get together on this channel and let's chat and let's talk about all the problems you have with X, Y, and Z. And then you've got now this conversation that's taking place in a private area between people who are uh, going through the same things at the same time. So you're providing hyper amounts of value to each individual. Some of the people that you'll have in there may be more uh, progressed and been through things and they're sharing their knowledge with the people who are now at the beginning of their journeys. And that's really valuable because the people who are more progressed, they're getting attention, people are hearing from them, there's opportunities for them to take this offline or outside of the community and, and sell things as well. And those who are at the beginning of their journey who have joined the community are learning a ton, mm. right? So now you've got this group of, let's call them the establishment <laughs> group of community members. And you've got a robust conversation going on. As the founder of the community, you're probably going to have to push a bit to keep the conversation alive yeah. and, and to keep people engaged. Definitely. But now you've got this community, you can start pay, uh, charging others to join that community on a rolling basis, annual monthly charge subscription basis. And if the value's there and you've got great members, then there's a very good chance that people will be willing to pay that. Yeah, I think the key is getting people in early who are going to be engaged. You don't want to get a group of people together who then... Don't talk. Yeah, they're not bought into it. it the community's very quiet and then suddenly there's there's nothing going on and it's mm. kind of tumbleweed, you know? Yes, but I think in the initial stages, the founder of the community is going to have to do a lot to Definitely. make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah. A lot of time is going to have to be spent to keep the conversation alive. Yeah, and I've seen that myself. I've been in a couple of communities where I've been one of the very first members of the community and for sure I, I saw how hard the... Um, community founder is that what you were calling it um how hard that person worked to really keep the conversation going posting questions constantly commenting on other people's questions tagging other people if somebody asked a question that person would tag a load of other people like what do you think about this what do you think trying their best to keep the conversation going keeping those experts engaged yeah and, and over time it does become organic and people do that without you know the founder needing to be quite so active but I think at the very beginning it's very much um down to that person to it's almost create the culture of the yeah. community set the tone and, and um, cadence yeah keep it active and once that's once that's occurred like you were saying there's and it begins begins to happen organically the founder of that community can take a step back yeah and just kind of let it evolve and become its own thing uh, and at this point hopefully get paid every month for for having created that community so it is i hate this term but it is a kind of passive income after at a certain point yeah. if you can build a robust community that yeah. people want to be a part of yeah but i suppose that it might get to a point well you can either keep the community quite small and tight-knit or you can like grow and grow and grow and at some point you're going to need um you'll need moderators yes people like that to to help manage because it can become too much for one yeah yeah but also you might get people 
who make complaints about another person and how do you deal with oh. you know people posting spammy messages or you know self-promotion which might not be suitable for the particular community yeah you're absolutely right um those are challenges that that they're good problems to have i guess yeah if, if your too, communities become scale. big yeah. and and scaled but yeah, yeah. Uh, just speaking on the commercial side of it, though, you've seen a community where the founder charged how much per individual? Oh, yeah, I don't know how much it is now. But, um, well, when I joined, it was it was $250, I think, for, per the, year. for the year. Um, and now I think it's far higher. I think it's, um, yeah, like at least double, if not triple. So let's say 250 How many people were in the community at that time? Um, well, it started out about 10 of us and now, gosh, there must be thousands, literally thousands. My God. Of people. So that and founder is now a millionaire based on that. <laughs> probably. But he, but it, it's really clever. They have, um, he initially uh, started doing, right after COVID, did meetups in where he lived. And California. Yeah. So he, he, he got a group of people together and met in the pub. Um, then eventually that spread out around the world and now there's meetups in London and they're quite big now actually. Um, and then just recently, Andrew Chen went to one yeah. of them. So, you know, he, he is actually getting some really big names um, joining the community. And I think for certain people, he doesn't charge, like if it's a big name um, and he gets a lot of guest speakers in. So I think if you're a guest speaker, you probably also don't have to pay to be part of the community, but they're in the community and you're literally just one conversation away from them. You can you can send them a direct message. We should get him on here. Yeah. Without naming him who he is <laughs> just yet, because I don't want to, him to say no and then be really embarrassed. He is a true solopreneur. Would he, he? He has... Um, multiple businesses multiple income streams he's managing them amazingly he's got an incredible audience very highly respected and he is a business of one let's ask him he's great yeah let's get him on here i yeah. like him a lot yeah that'd be cool yeah so just back to communities for anyone who is right now in a full-time job and is thinking about scaling their knowledge or scaling their abilities to create multiple streams of income and maybe keep the nine to five or let's say even move on from their nine to five at some point joining a community or even starting your own community could be a really really great way to get started yeah in solopreneurship yeah definitely now i've seen communities uh locally in the in london all about um uh digital marketing yeah so there's a community I'm, i've become aware of that's all about digital marketers it costs maybe 50 pounds a year to join and when you're in there, you can go to all of these events. You can meet others online that are in the digital marketing space. A lot of people will find new jobs through there. A lot of people will find people that they can coach or mentor mm -hmm. through those groups. So much value. And especially if you're a founder and you're able to scale it, the value is phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a lot of work. but um, It is. Yeah. If it's, if it's something you can scale, you can do really, really well. It's particularly a lot of work up front. Yes, I would say so. So maybe not the easiest thing to do while you've got a full-time job, but if you're on Slack already all day long at your job, it's just another channel on Slack. Maybe. Well, yeah, you can start you can small, can't you? Start small. Yeah. And start free. Get yeah. the first group of people in for free. Don't charge them. Definitely. Get them in there. Get everyone talking. Why not? 
In fact, I'm kicking myself. Why aren't I starting a community right now? <laughs> well, you need to figure out what you want to... <laughs> community about. Yeah. 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 Well, I've joined a few, so I'm, I'm going to learn a lot. And I, and I watch this space. I think a community would be fun. Yeah, I think so too. You've got to work out why how is your community different to the others why would somebody join yours over somebody else's um because i'm there <laughs> no yeah you're right yeah and who else are you going to get in that's going to support you and yeah yeah exactly how are you going to keep it interesting i'm a big fan of communities i think they are hugely valuable when done right yeah I, I, on the other hand, I'm a bit more on the fence of communities. I totally see why other people get value from them and other people really love them. I think for me as an introvert, I don't know, I'm a bit of a lurker. I maybe like read what's going on, but I'm not particularly active. Do you feel like you get value out of the community even still? Um, some of them I've joined... I, I, I joined one during the pandemic for female solopreneurs. Um, I loved what they were doing, but they had calls every week and um, like hugs and brunch and all this stuff. Hugs? Um, well, that was, that was like post-COVID then uh, when they were doing real life meetups. I, I just I just couldn't get involved. It's just not me. I don't. I don't like all of that stuff. You like hugs? I do with with you. Oh, but just me. Okay. Good. But I I don't know. It just it was all a bit much, um, and I didn't want to be on calls all the time either. I, you know, I, I don't know. I just I, I like focus time and I like time to myself. And I don't know. I'm just a massive introvert. Yeah. Um. So I struggle. I do struggle with communities. I think, you know not everything is for everybody and maybe communities just aren't for me um i have had some value from uh one particular one about marketplaces so it was all for marketplace founders and um i did like that one because you could just dip in and out mm -hmm. when you wanted to and that kind of suited me it was a bit lighter touch i think for me i need to be one in 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 a community that's not quite so active otherwise i get overwhelmed sure yeah fantastic okay well if you're an introvert don't do communities that's that's <laughs> what we've just learned well not all introverts <laughs> if you're just an extrovert me. go for it <laughs> yeah well that's you and me <laughs> yeah basically well then i think this has been a really good conversation about communities and about you quitting your job. Yeah, big news. Yeah, this is brilliant. Mm. Uh, I really look forward to our new new life and also to sharing as we go here yeah. on the pod what we're up to yeah. from the beach of Fiji. <laughs> Let's hope so. Do they even have beaches in Fiji? I guess they do. So last week was the last episode of the TV show that you got me into against my better judgment. Like uh, all the TV shows we watch. Like all TV watch. shows we watch. What's it called? I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Yep. It's a British staple, apparently, <laughs> uh, and one that I didn't really want to watch, and then you got me into it, and then I really liked it. But yeah, what are your thoughts? Um, well, I've been watching it. Well, I guess I've, I started watching it at the very beginning, which is 
people there. I mean, they said 20 years ago, which to me was a complete shock. You're older than 20. <laughs> I can't believe it's been going for 20 years. Yeah. And I me watched either. it. I watched it religiously, probably for the first five years, and then probably went off to university and never watched it again. So I just thought, I don't know. I just fancied watching it this year. It's been many years since I've seen it. Yeah. And so. Touch it. All right, I'll be honest. I enjoyed it and I got into it and, and whatever. But there's one thing about it that kind of bugged me, and bugged, bugged. Yeah, <laughs> good segue. Uh, everyone I talk to in the UK, like when they find out I'm from Australia, I ask them if they've ever been there, and they're always like, "Oh no, 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 I could never go to Australia." And I'm like, "Oh, how come?" They're like the animals. I'm like, the animals? Like you seriously? And now I know why the freaking TV show has made everyone think that the, the you walk down the street and someone's going to pour a bucket of spiders on you. Well, I, I do think that's <laughs> I have never had a bucket of spiders poured on me without my consent. <laughs> but um, you do have a lot of creepy crawlies. We've seen, well, I've seen a lot of spiders. I mean, the first day I stepped into Australia when I met you. Yeah. Well, not when I met you. We'd been when we met, you visited me. When I visited you and walked into your mum's garage. Oh, right, yeah. This is when she threatened you with a gigantic spider. She came at me with a spider. She was just trying to show it to you. <laughs> I did not want to see it. it. It was one of the big, big motherfuckers, though. Yeah, that was a big one. But they're all big. That's the problem. <laughs> There's no small ones. Now, spiders, I don't mind so much you're freaking terrified of them but what i don't love i would have to say is snakes and in the news in the bbc i think it was last week oh, no. straight out out of australia this is fucking scary a five-year-old boy was attacked by a i think it was a carpet python which is a pretty uh, say they're harmless they're non-venomous mm -hmm. and they're harmless to most people but if you're five years old you're like and you're a small five-year-old, I guess, you're probably exactly the right size piece of meal. Mm. Maybe on the big side. But what happened was it bit him, constricted him, and then dragged him into a swimming pool while it was constricting him. That's awful. Anyway, his granddad dived in and pulled them both, him and the snake, out of the water, and then luckily was able to pry the python off him, and the boy was fine. No wow. major injuries. And you still want me to go back to Australia? That's, yeah. I, yeah, well, let's go. Yeah, I mean, life's, <laughs> life's interesting when, when you can get dragged into a pool by almost a boa constrictor at any point in time. Your mum had a snake <laughs> in her front garden. She did, yeah. She Just a week or so ago. I think it was either a lightly venomous one that she identified. Uh, what do you remember what it was called? I can't oh, remember right. the species. But uh, she was pretty terrified. She wouldn't, she wouldn't didn't want to go out her front door, and it hung around for like a week. And uh, she told the uh, snake catcher to come and get it. But they said, unless you've just seen it right now, or you can see it right now, we're not going to come. Mm. And she's like, oh no, it's there. But uh, eventually, it moved on. She hoped. Well, she hasn't seen it since. So. <laughs> out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, pretty scary yeah. stuff. But anyway, what I wanted to get. The point of all this was Australia is not that bad. Like this TV show makes it seem a million times worse. And Brits and I guess Americans always telling me, well, I don't want to go to Australia because of the animals. I'm like, you can pretty much live your whole life without being murdered by an animal or seeing them on the reg. Right? Um, well, you do have some songs 
which say, come to Australia, you might get killed. Accidentally killed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a song. <laughs> funny. Yeah, it does have a pretty strong reputation. I just I just really wonder what the impact on tourism in Australia is from these TV shows. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, I honestly didn't think it would be that big, but having spoken to some of my friends and they just outright refused Flat to refuse. come to Australia because of the insects and the animals. Yeah. Sharks. Mm. Now I'm way more scared of sharks than I am of like snakes and spiders, though. Ooh. Yeah. What about sea snakes? Yeah, they're they creep me out. They're pretty creepy, but I, I've heard somewhere that they're not that dangerous. They're, they're not that aggressive. Okay. Well, thank you for listening. Yes, thank you very much. Have a great week. Remember to like or subscribe or whatever it is you have to do with these. Podcasts. I don't think you like. I think you just subscribe. Well, make sure you just subscribe or follow. Follow and rate. Rate us highly. Five stars, okay? <laughs> Thanks, guys. Ciao.